I said who, and he said who, who, and at that point the whole knock-knock joke is ruined. <laughs> Welcome back everyone to River Heights Radio. I'm Carl Hauser. And I'm Hope Busby. We are very excited this week to take you on a trip to Boston, where we'll meet up with our favorite horn honking, finger judging, clipper ship loving, figurehead finding, researcher Nancy, Nancy Drew. Drew. Today we're talking about the secret of, of the, the wooden, wooden lady. <laughs> The secret is that she is hideous. We we're just talking about this. The The book goes on and on about this, this beautiful woman. And when we finally get a picture of it, well, our tastes are different, apparently. The picture on the cover is also it. However, I thought it was just a ghost of Ben Franklin. The whole time we're waiting to meet the ghost of Ben Franklin. And it turns out that it's just that the figurehead is just gray for some reason. <laughs> It was not just wooden and worn and weathered and a little bit stern, but also gray. They did say it might have rotted a little bit. But what's good is they found it and they can smush it onto the front of the ship now. Well, this book begins with arguably the middle of the book. As Hannah tells us, fried chicken is better when it's hot. It's sad that Hannah has to justify to Nancy why she should go get her father for dinner. Her tidy in hair is still damp from having gone on a swim. She is vivacious. Okay, she's returning from the swim. Yeah, she's come home, but her hair is still wet. She flops down in his big green club chair, if you remember that chair. I remember we put a picture of it up on our on mm-hmm, our Twitter. Mm-hmm. And she says, what? Why the frown, dad? Mr. Frowny Face Dad. That's how you know he has a case. He just hates work. He says to his daughter, Clipper ships and sea ghosts. I hope the man's not imagining things. And as you know, the man he's talking about is none other than the Captain Easterly. Captain Easterly of Boston. You know, that fellow we met in Boston last year? Remember? We don't remember this because we've only known Nancy Drew while she was 18. Yeah. Which she has been for the last 27 books. Last year, I assume she was 17, and that's a part of her life that remains a mystery to us. And she'd never solved anything at that point. No, except the mystery of how to uh, replace your mother. Basically, Carson's been hired for a real estate case. Yes, the title for the clipper ship is missing, and it can't be sold without it. I don't understand the law behind this one. So he's been renting this clipper ship, Captain Easterly has, from Mr. Farnsworth for like a decade. Mm -hmm. But now he wants to buy it from Mr. Farnsworth before Mr. Farnsworth moves to the West Coast, which is coming soon. Mm -hmm. But now Mr. Farnsworth, who could legally rent this ship, cannot legally sell this ship without a clear title. I have to wonder how much money poor captain easterly put a decade of renting the ship and now he's going to purchase it like that's Mm. why that's you know renting landlords the whole thing Mm. it's a grift well and captain easterly even says like nancy's like well don't you think mr farnsworth should be like trying to figure out who who the title belongs to oh no he wouldn't do a thing like that it's all up to me he doesn't care well he basically alludes to him being like miserly and cheap presumably he's paying carson something carson ends up not helping him at all there's a promised ghost i'm here to tell you that yet again there is no ghost nobody ever believes there's a ghost yeah the problem that captain easterly has the mystery problem not the legal problem is that someone is skulking around his ship much in the way a ghost would so it's similar to if i was like oh it's the mystery of a mummy but i just mean that someone is walking slowly you know it's just it's just a comparison 
I don't think the captain himself ever calls it a ghost. He says the prowler. I feel like it's what the locals make fun of the captain with. The guard who isn't good at his job and never catches this prowler is like, ah oh, ha ha, the captain's been seeing ghosts again. Ha ha ha. When someone's like breaking <laughs> into your home, eating your food, leaving, okay, it's a ghost. I didn't say it was a ghost. <laughs> As Carson is trying to explain to his daughter what everything is, he has to draw it out and make it a big guessing game. And of course, by the time he's explained everything we just explained to you, Hannah is upset because supper is getting cold. But Nancy's hair is dry. (laughs) She says, mystery or no mystery, this family must eat. Cold chicken. The Drew family, of course, is very fond of Hannah, their, their live-in matriarch. And the book says that ever since people had learned that Nancy possessed an unusual ability to solve mysteries, the young detective had been called upon to track scoundrels of various types. Mainly the one type. Like, dark-eyed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> weird body shapes. Uh, people who like to boast about what they've done. You know, scoundrels in general. <laughs> I guess we had one handsome villain. So Nancy Drew gets a call from her dear friend, Bess. She's in this book, believe it or not. But Bess sounds a bit quaverly. She's she's scared because her parents aren't home. And Nancy begins to immediately tease her about it. Not afraid, are you? Nancy teased. And well, she should be, as we find out. Very soon after, Bess says, wait, I do hear a sound. And then the line goes silent. There's murder sounds. Nancy calls the police whose lines are busy you know how the police are because the police are like on the other line talking to their cousin or something i don't know (laughs) they're using the internet they're various uh girl detectives in town (laughs) right so nancy heads straight over to bess's house which is only like two blocks away that's what you should do if your friend is being robbed and the police line is busy yeah you just go (laughs) but as she walks up to the house Suddenly, a gruff hand goes over her mouth. Now, this is fun for me, because usually you just get the gruff hand. But this time you get a gruff hand, a description of the hand, short middle finger, ring on pinky, and you get, like, a pressure in the back of her neck that implies some sort of, like... Yeah. Pressure point yeah, it was sleep hold. Very spooky and violent in a way that you've talked about how they eliminated in later edits. Yeah. Like her windpipe is being crushed by his arm as she's as he, observing his, his yeah, hand. As he like presses into the back of her neck with his thumb. After she struggles. Right. Then he uses a pressure point to knock her out, which yeah, is apparently she, the same way he knocked out Bess. Mm-hmm, we find she out fights later. as hard as she can. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she wakes up in her car. Yes paralyzed apparently like her legs and arms don't work and yeah he pushed a little too hard she's weak so the only thing she can do is flop forward onto her steering wheel to honk the horn really loud and the neighbors are not having it mr what's his name comes out and he's like what is the meaning of this stop it (laughs) stop it gradually angrier until he's like nancy drew what the heck are you doing and she apologizes I'm so sorry to bother you, sir, but I'm paralyzed. <laughs> so so he tells her to stay where she is, but by the time he gets she has the to. other neighbor, she's recovered. And she's like, whatever, I think the thief is gone. So she goes into the house. She finds Bess, who, like we said, was also knocked out, hidden in a closet. Mm-hmm. Which is where you put knocked out people, obviously. I love, I love when criminals knock someone out and then hide the body. <laughs> as if ashamed or something. Like, what... <laughs> 
deduction at this point. And she says, hmm, if the thief got caught by Bess, that sucks for him. Obviously, he would have to attack Bess. But now he's out of the house when he attacks me. There's no reason to attack me. It was so weird because she's right. That makes sense. Mm. I feel like in most Nancy Drew novels, the reason is just like, you're there. You're Nancy Drew. Sometimes even in this novel. Yeah, you're this just, time she's you're just right. gonna get knocked out. Yeah. But yeah, she's right. Why didn't he leave? There was a reason. So she deduces that he must have dropped something mm-hmm. that he had to go back in and search for. And she also figures out how to find where that thing is, which is like in the bed frame of her friend's bed and it is a signet ring with the letter f on it but in reality he didn't leave until he heard her come back in because he'd been searching the house that Uh, whole time so like it was dangerous to go back nancy you could have been re-knocked out i think she had a pressure point hangover he leaves behind this ring which is a clue but he takes every piece of jewelry that the marvins own mr marvin is in the middle of a city council meeting as you know he's an important member of the city council here in River Heights. So he shows up and the police finally show up. Specifically officers Flynn and Kelly. All of the River Heights police officers in this book are Irish. Nancy mulls over to herself as she's falling asleep. Somewhere, sometime, she had seen that man's right hand before. She goes to sleep finally. She wakes up in the morning and says, Good morning, silly, to Togo. The only time we see Togo. Did we tell our fans about your new Togo? We, this past week, have picked up a new family member. We keep him in the special spot in our basement. The female dog, who we have named Togo. Togo! And uh, she's a delight. We should put a picture of Togo on uh, the Instagram. We should. Nancy figures out, I know where I've seen that hand, at none other than Larry's service station. Yeah, I've seen that hand servicing my car. Yeah, do you remember that guy with the hand? Oh, what's his face? The hand guy. She realized it might not be the same man. Probably lots of people have short middle fingers, but it was a clue. Okay, it's a theory, and it might be a wrong theory, but it's not a clue. And also later they refer to the short middle finger as a deformity. So which one is it? Like maybe just a slight variation that lots of people have or like an actual Don't look at me, I'm hideous. I've been left-handed my whole life. Well, in spite of all this, Nancy still has to maintain her responsibilities as good friend of Ned Nickerson. She heads off to the Emerson College end of school year gala. As she leaves, Carson says to her, remember me to Ned. Remember me when you're kissing Ned? Nancy stops by Larry's auto shop or wherever to see, you know, if that truly was the hand of a thief that she remembers. And Larry, good guy Larry, he's like, yeah, I remember that guy with the tiny middle fingers. (laughs) I always thought he was a bit light fingered. Pause for laugh. (laughs) I did not put that together. I I actually didn't until just now. Oh, no. So, yeah, it was two years ago when I fired him. He hasn't been around for two years. The hand that you remember (laughs) having seen here, you remember from two years ago, which is incredible. So Nancy gives all this information to Chief McGinnis, who is thrilled. (laughs) Just one more debt this department owes you. And she heads off to Emerson, where good-looking, athletic Ned was unusually attentive. After the dance, he asks Nancy for a moonlight walk. A last request for many a moon, dramatic Ned says. And it comes out that he's whining a bunch because he's not going to see Nancy because he's going away to work at summer camp again. It's like the sixth (laughs) time this year. (laughs) 
she's like, well, I gotta do my mystery. And he's like, I guess it can't be helped, but I'll miss you. And so as some kind of consolation, she's like, isn't your camp near Boston? Because these camps are always near wherever her mysteries yeah, he, are. Yeah, he does camps across <laughs> the country. Exactly. And he's like, oh, so it is. And she's like, well, why don't you just spend the weekend before camp starts with me? I always wonder, too. Like, he's like, oh, it's, yeah, it's near Boston. It's in Chicago. But yeah, 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 it's kind of near. Welcome. <laughs> so Ned says, that ship's ghost is going to have competition. For what? I don't know. I think he's jealous again. <laughs> <laughs> what does he think Nancy wants from this ghost? Nancy gets home just in time to take a warning phone call. Tell Carson Drew to stay away from Captain Easterly's boat. The result of this is Carson and Nancy decide to leave early. Yeah, always don't do that. I don't understand. Hannah says something disparaging. She says, a young girl like you traipsing after criminals. So I don't know if I like that, Hannah. The police have tracked down the guy from the gas station, Faye, Howard Faye. Whose, uh, whose nickname, I believe, we found was Flip. Yeah, the gas station attendant, as she was driving away, yells after her, Hey, by the way, his nickname is Flip! <laughs> we discussed this later. Is that because of his short middle finger? Because his, <laughs> he has a noticeable flipping? Yeah! Of the bird? Yes! And he has moved out. Gasp. Carson says a reassuring thing to Nancy, though, when she's so upset Faye got away. He says, criminals like bad money have a way of turning up sooner or later. What is bad money? What is that? <laughs> I would like some of it. Is it just a bill? Like, I what is it? it's counterfeit, but... Okay. I was... <laughs> is it a negative $20 bill? It's the Hope Diamond. <laughs> Oh, that's no good. That's bad. You can't get change for that anywhere. Recently, Carl on Twitter maybe misrepresented Bess a little bit. Saying right. she was all about food. Right. Okay. But apparently she has a penchant for many things. According to this book, Bess, who is blonde and pretty, not only has a penchant for second desserts, but also frilly dresses. So, you know, the character is much more wide in scope than I than I thought. Bess is also said to have a deep loyalty to Nancy, apparently the reason she goes on these mysteries with her, because she is, quote, fearful of the dangers that Nancy poses. George, on the other hand, was as boyish as her name. Her face is described as handsomely pert. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. Do people have saggy faces? I don't know. Hope, do I have a saggy face? George wears simple clothes and craves adventure. Hyper, she says, (laughs) in her way. Why was I left out of all the excitement? You mean you wish you'd been knocked out, Bess says. And George only laughs. I wish someone had broken into my home and knocked me out. George's godmother just does not understand that George hates jewelry. So she gave her a fake ruby necklace. Nancy puts it on the plump neck of Bess. And Bess gives us a gem lesson. Because she read a book once about gems. And I do like that this is the bookworm Bess that I love. It turns out, of all the fake valuable rocks, the fake ruby is the most expensive. Even 
more than fake diamonds. Nancy bids her friends farewell, goes off to Boston with her dad, meets Captain Easterly in the clipper ship he lives in. She says to him, I think your ship is fascinating, and I love the Bonnie Scott already. She falls quickly in love with this beautiful clipper ship, which Bess only refers to as that old clipper ship the whole time. Very different opinion of the ship. Yeah, from the feeling I got, it's like going into an old house, you know. Mm -hmm. You've got that kind of old feeling of wood, the feeling people have been here, Mm -hmm. graffiti carved into the whole thing, (laughs) uh, stains, (laughs) the smell of men having lived there. (laughs) Just everything you'd want. It's damp, too. Nobody knows where the figurehead went, but that's not unusual. Nancy decides, however, she would like to find it. Yes, the figurehead is missing like the title. Carson and Captain Easterly both have business, and Nancy gets to investigate the ship alone. Nancy's better judgment told her not to allow herself to be trapped. Good good insight, Nancy. <laughs> I think her worst judgment is like, oh, I can't wait to get trapped. I think she has a bit of a getting trapped, like, kink. Well, it means it's the end of the book. <laughs> Let's speed up this mystery. If Nancy's kidnapped, that's the end. Not necessarily. No, sometimes it's the middle. I mean, she's already been knocked out on practically (laughs) the first page. Well, Nancy does find someone on the ship. She hears footsteps. She goes to investigate. She sees a man rowing away with a weather-beaten face. (gasps) He just stands out in the weather a bunch. Does he have a grizzly beard? Well, it's grizzled. Oh, grizzled, okay. I don't know. They refer to it as both grizzly and grizzled. Mm. I don't know exactly uh, the the sailing terms, but grizz has happened to his beard. <laughs> she tries to find a boat to row after this man, and she sees two people with a boat. She begs them, please, help me chase that man. And they say, no. Mm-mm. No, thank you. She says, I think that man is a criminal. And they say, God bless them. If he's a criminal, that's none of our business. Go tell the police. Not our monkeys. (laughs) Good on them. (laughs) Well, says Carson, when he hears about this whole incident, at least we know that Captain Easterly isn't seeing ghosts. We always knew that! Leave this man alone. We never didn't know that, Carson. (laughs) He's like your best friend. Well, Carson has no time to stick around in Boston. He's headed off to New Bedford. He's going to the New Bedford Research. Gold mine. Gold mine. (laughs) (laughs) Library. I don't know. He's going to New Bedford to do research. Oh, yeah, I forgot, he says. By the way, Bess and George are coming. What? She needed two chaperones to make up for Carson leaving. She needs two chaperones to take care of her, so he sent for them. And I like that because in this book we didn't have to deal with tedious reading about them asking for permission yeah or what their plans had been Mm -hmm. i don't care bess and george that you had dates you're sent for (laughs) nancy waits to go pick them up from the airport and amuses herself by researching figureheads in the captain's library it's full of uh, old musty books Nancy finally leaves to go pick them up from the airport, but as she gets into the taxi, she sees none other than Flip Faye getting into another taxi. She sees his short-fingered hand disappearing into the taxi, (laughs) I assume. So she has the taxi driver chase him. They, of course, don't catch him. And she still ends up getting to the airport on time. Bess says, we thought you'd be so busy with your mystery, you wouldn't come to meet us. 
Oh, can I try that? <laughs> Let me try it. We thought you'd be so busy with your mystery, you wouldn't even come to get us. <laughs> so you could be really mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's definitely passive aggressive. So Nancy says, let's have a snack and then I'll take you ghost hunting. Oh, she knows how to appease Bess. When they get back, the captain is still gone, even though he was definitely supposed to be back. Luckily, that's not suspicious. Yeah, 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 yeah. They go to a figurehead museum. Like you do. Mm-hmm. And when they get back, the captain is still gone. Hmm. That's <laughs> kind of suspicious. Bess suggests they all go get a nice cold soda. Nancy says she wants to wait there for the captain. And George says, after all, we came to Boston to protect you. Nancy assures her, I'll be perfectly all right. Go get a soda. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> well, Nancy is eschewing soda in favor of a dry research book. <laughs> She suddenly feels her spine prickling as someone wraps her in a coat and shoves her in a closet. She desperately tries to see who the person is. She can't see through the keyhole because there's a key in there, but she finds a tiny little knot hole. With weird accuracy, the book describes her like aligning her little iris with the eye hole. <laughs> and like, I almost felt splinters in my own eye as she waited for the man to pass her vision. Through this knot hole, she does see the grizzled face of a man that George has now coined Grizzle Face. Yep. Apparently the way that bad guys get all these stupid names is some teenager <laughs> makes fun of them and it sticks. So this man is now Grizzleface. So Grizzleface raids the room as Nancy waits for her friends to return. Finally, they get back, rescuing her with the closet, and Nancy and George search for a secret room that he might have been hiding in while Bess goes to get the dock guard. Because, you know, it's not a ghost, goddammit. I love George is, like, to find the secret room tapping on the walls with her sandal. With her sandal. I, kind of good idea, I guess. I guess. <laughs> you could use anything, but yeah. At, just as Bess leaves to find the dock guard, she screams mm. because she has seen a disembodied head. <laughs> well... <laughs> A head peeking up through a trapdoor. I love George. It's just like, what? <laughs> I, you know, you gotta give it to Bess. She takes things as she sees them. <laughs> Not a guy was peeking out of the ground, no. <laughs> A head was coming up from the ground. So it turns out that what Bess saw was just a guy going down a trap door. After Nancy gets a flashlight, George and Nancy go down below. Bess says fine and comes along. Uh, there's lots of things I guess he could be hiding behind. They never find him. Nancy decides he's not there. They leave. It's a big ship. They go ask a guard standing near the dock if he saw anything. And he says, sorry girls, has the captain been telling you his ghost stories? Oh my god. Nancy defends the captain. Captain Easterly is a truthful man, she said loyally. I think the way everyone treats this guy, I imagined him to be like one of these like old, old scruffy sailors types. Mm -hmm. We see a picture of him later and he looks like a milkman. And then they also call him bombastic later on. And right. I feel like sometimes he is and sometimes he isn't. Right, he's got the, he's got this personality of like, I'm the ship's captain. But then you see a picture of him and it's like, I'm the ship's captain. Like in even he talks like that sometimes, right. and other times he talks like, "Oh, I'll get them sea rats." Right. She tells the guard, and I saw Grizzleface twice. So there. <laughs> and the guard gives her an odd look. 
I mean, you would. Bess proclaims, no more mystery today. And uh, sure enough, they go watch a movie and things. The next morning, Carson still isn't back. The captain still isn't back. Nancy, worried about him, checks his room. If you thought it was raided before, it's even more raided now. This is the point of the book, with the captain disappearing and her, her father disappearing, that there's no way for Nancy to know that it isn't the rapture. <laughs> yup. Mallory and O'Shea, the Boston police officers, also Irish, arrived promptly. They did an efficient investigation. I like to imagine them looking exactly like the police officers. <laughs> They're played by the same actors. Right, yeah. <laughs> As Nancy tries to describe the man, the very serious issue of a man breaking into the ship and scuttling around while people are sleeping or whatever, constantly kidnapping them and putting them in closets, George decides to interject with a very helpful, we call him Grizzle Face. Uh, Nancy gets to meet Lieutenant Hennessy while Bess and George are off sightseeing. When Nancy talks about the ring that was found at Bess's house with the F on it, she mentions something that we did had no idea of before, which is that the F was drawn in some strange way that also made it look like a bird's foot? Do you mean a crow's foot? Gasp! <laughs> that one's a raven. This is a pigeon. That's an F. At the beginning of the book, we are definitely told it's just an F. Right! They just say, oh, there's an F on there. And I just can't imagine the crow's foot that looks so much like an F that you're just like, yes, that is both things. But again, we find this a hilarious play on Flip. So the F is for Flip. It's also, it's also for, for crow, crow, which is a type of bird. He's often flipping the bird. <laughs> yeah. He's the flipping crow! Yep. Yeah. So Lieutenant Hennessy is now alarmed. He's aghast. He's known to police as the crow, says Lieutenant Hennessy. He's a vain fellow who always leaves his mark. You better be wary. Be extremely wary. Yeah, he knows you interfered with his robbery. He, he's seen your face. <laughs> what What's funny about this is, so we now know the timeline of this guy is like two years ago, he worked as a mechanic, might have stolen some stuff. Then he moved to Boston and in two years became such a well-known criminal <laughs> that for six months police have been looking for this The Crow who signs all his work like he was the friggin' wet bandits. And then he goes back to River Heights to seal some stuff. I don't know. Mm. It's very strange. Yeah. Nancy then meets with the ship owner, Farnsworth. He phones Captain Easterly's sister, who says he hasn't been here, so no help. Uh, he also tells Nancy that there's a Fred Lane trying to buy the ship now. Good news, everyone. After it's my Farnsworth edition. <laughs> Nancy meets up with Bess and George for a snack, and then they all go to Fred Lane's address, which is a drab apartment house. Bess says, gloomy place. I bet nobody nice lives here. Yeah, it, remember guys, if you're poor, you know, <laughs> fuck you, I guess. Woman answers the door. They ask her if Fred Lane's there. She says, stay out of here. So they do, for once. This time. <laughs> yeah. When they get back to the hotel, Dave, Bert, and Ned are there. Hey, I didn't think Dave and Bert were alive anymore. It's been so I long. I thought they had broken up, especially since George and Bess didn't go to the dance. When did we see them last? Was it for the uh, for the Jaguar incident? Maybe. With the, with the rocket ship? I feel like if I had almost got dropped 
in a boiling pool of water, or my friend had. I'd stay away from those people for a while. Beth says, oh, what a mystery Nancy's been working on. Nancy, tell him about it. She does. And Bert complains, and I thought we were just going to do some nice, quiet dancing. I, I totally took that as a happy thing. And I thought we were just going to do some nice, quiet dancing. <laughs> well, we got I a whole ass ghost to look for. Either way, Ned feels the need to defend her, they say. So that's why I think I assumed the kind of mean tone. That's true. Because, yeah, Ned's like, well, sounds more exciting to me than dancing. Of course, it could have been the nice tone and Ned just took it that way. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> 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 so the uh the six young people which i love when they call them that because it just is like it's like it reminds me of friends or something mm-hmm. I'll be there. uh they crowd into a taxi and head off to inspect the ship yeah they have to specify it's an extra large cap dave promises best that he'll protect her from the spooks upon the ship george suggests a waterfront walk to get a little bit of that seaside flavor which i don't know what that is is this a salt on your skin yeah are they gonna lick each other later mm-hmm. nancy and ned walk ahead and on their walk ahead nancy sees none other in a restaurant than flip fay <laughs> to be clear <laughs> though flip fay is inside in a suit <laughs> checkered. a checkered suit so tacky <laughs> it is not a nice restaurant He's there with some other guy. Oh my gosh, we did not even tell our poor listeners that we read like a 60s edition right. of this book. Right, so Hope did have this one in paperback so we didn't have to like go to the library for the newest version. And uh, it has a 60s feel. Yeah, it really does. Including those checkered suits everyone was wearing. Unfortunately, this man, who, who Nancy thinks is Flip, has his back to the window. Is it Flip, isn't it? Show me his hands. Sweetly, Nancy says, Ned, do something for me. Anything you say, Nancy. So she has him to go in to check if the finger, his middle finger is small. Mm -hmm. And Ned says, okay, Cap'n. Yep. The book says Ned was acting his part perfectly. And his part, to be clear, is just like somebody going into a restaurant looking for a table. And guys, he nailed it. (laughs) Unfortunately, that crafty flip is hiding his finger behind a coffee cup. So... It's so weird. He has two. I'm just imagining Flip there with his hands deep in spaghetti or something. Like, how is he doing this? For all I know, it's only the right hand. Like, I don't know if it's both hands. That's true. So Ned does the whole knocking over his coffee to see his hand routine. Yeah, he, like, fakes a fall. I'm just imagining Ned going, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Immediately he apologizes, but unfortunately, an apology was not enough. Whoever was sitting across from Flip just decks him. Stands up and knocks him down. (laughs) So while the waitress is patching up Ned's raw cheekbone, Nancy is talking to Lieutenant Hennessy on the phone. I like the tension in that scene. Ned brags, one hour with Nancy Drew and I'm in combat. The rest have had enough of Ned and Nancy. After looking at the ship briefly, they're like, see you guys. Bess says they don't want to spend their whole weekend snooping over an old ship, Nancy. So off they go. Well, Ned and Nancy do find a little something. An open porthole with spikes on the outside of the ship. Could someone climb those spikes into that porthole? Oh, I was trying to figure out what those spikes were for. (laughs) Didn't Nancy just find out that if you fall out this porthole, you die? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 
They're for climbing. Yeah. That makes a lot yep, more these sense. These spikes are made for climbing. <laughs> and that's just what Flip did. One of these days, that Flip's gonna make me flip my lid. That didn't make any sense. No way. <laughs> so they, doesn't have to. They bolt the porthole closed. <laughs> but what do they find in the porthole? A ripped piece of checkered suit. It's fresh, so like it hasn't been weather beaten, so it's recent. But like that also means that Flip does wear clean clothes, which is not what I was imagining. He had his best suit on. So he goes to lunch. His friend punches out some guy who they don't know who was. They run out the back and immediately he's like, I'm gonna go look at that ship again. Yeah, yeah. As far as I know, bolting up that porthole did nothing. Yeah, they keep leaking in. Nancy decides that the thieves must be looking for an article of great value. It's a MacGuffin! (laughs) She's determined to find the captain, who's been disappeared for days now. Are you game, she says to Ned, for a bit of sleuthing? And Ned says, lead the way. (laughs) So Nancy takes Ned to a local amusement casino, where the sailors like to hang out. It's the kind of place with cheap tattoos in neon sign outside. Mm -hmm. And she sends Ned in and says, go ask about this unsavory character. The youth... (laughs) the book says, was quite willing. (laughs) Anything you say. He comes back out triumphant. He has talked to the tattoo artist, who of course knows Grizzleface. His name is Red Quint. Wait a minute. That's worse. He gives Ned the address. Mm -hmm. Ned's also got that big tattoo now. Yeah, yeah. Nancy was delighted. So they hop into a cab and say, hey, go to this address. The cab driver says, are you sure? It's a tough neighborhood. You look a little soft back there. Nancy assures him that they wanted to go, nevertheless. Okay, but if yous get moited, I want to get paid first. When they get there, Ned says, not exactly homey. With their broken steps and shuttered windows. When they knock on the door, the window above them opens. A hostile woman peeks out and says, what do you want? Then she tells them, aw, go away. Then she decides to let them in after they plead for a while. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Accurate. As you would expect, horrible housekeeping. Slovenly, the book says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, oh yeah, I haven't seen Red Quint in a while, but you know, his friend, that Ted or Fred, something like that. Mm Could that be Fred Lane? He has a sick old uncle that's up in a room up there. Immediately, Nancy barges up the stairs past her. Wait, what? No, don't go up there. I said he's sick. Screw you. (laughs) So they begin knocking on doors. The first one's like, guys, like, what? Can't be that one. Next one's nobody. Can't be that one. Third one. That's where the sick uncle is. I didn't connect as fast as Nancy did that this could be Captain Easterly, who's been kidnapped. <laughs> you didn't know why she's barging No, in. <laughs> I thought it was so weird. I did know. I'm like, <laughs> why does she want to meet this man's uncle so badly? <laughs> That's hilarious, Carl. <laughs> and like... Outwitted by Nancy yet again. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I read with an open heart and just accept what I'm told. Uh, well, they do find Captain Easterly in there. They call the police. Apparently Captain Easterly had been at a nice sailor's breakfast, sipping upon a coffee when he began to get sick. A stranger came up and said, let me help you, and put him in a taxi, and that's all he remembers. For his coffee... (laughs) Yes, for his coffee had been drugged. The preferred treatment of old people being kidnapped. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. That's why, remember, if you are an old person, (laughs) 
drinking in a public place. Either get one of those straws that changes color <laughs> if your drink's been, been drugged. Oh. Now, everyone else during this time had started dinner without Nancy and Ned. They couldn't wait any longer. But when they hear what happened, George's eyes nearly popped. Oh, shoot. Not out of her head or anything. Hypers. Just literally popping. <laughs> Gross. I might have known we'd miss something exciting, she says. <laughs> Well, Nancy decides the best thing to do is for the six of them to move the ship out of the harbor. But Bert says, one problem. That's very, very difficult. (laughs) George insists that the six of them could, with instructions from Captain Easterly, who is now in the hospital, actually do this. Move the ship. Sure. And I can Um, make an Ikea shelf with no instructions. After all, she says, we've all practically grown up on sailboats. Again, this has to have been before the last year, because I did not know that about Nancy Drew. You didn't know? Well, she sailed, but like, apparently her her knowledge is more than I even realized. I love how hurt I was by that knowledge. (laughs) You didn't know? You didn't know about Nancy? (laughs) Bert, but... George, that she doesn't even know the name of all the masts on this clipper ship. And And George George just cracks her fingers. (laughs) Proceeds to list them all. (laughs) And like, a badass move, right? You've got the front of mast, back of mast. (laughs) Bird says, very salty. I apologize. He doesn't even let her finish. She's just like, yeah, yes, yeah, very salty. Yeah. Salty yeah. dog. I, I get the feeling he isn't saying that she's like salty as in angry, but I, I think, still appreciate I think like a, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a sailor thing, but it works either way. The captain calls Nancy a good persuader when she convinces him that they should move the ship. We should move the ship. No. Yes, we should. Yes. Besides, he's eager to surprise the sneaking rats. Well, Dave, uh, here's where they're going, which is down to Cape Canaveral or something. Where are they headed? I'd like to take you down. <laughs> to Cape Canaveral. I don't know. I think Cape Cod. Yeah, that it? makes a lot more sense. Or is it Provincetown? Either way, Dave knows that they'll have to work like beavers to get it done. Carson is back. He was not kidnapped. He was just busy. Uh, and he had learned, this is interesting, nothing mm-hmm. yeah. while he was gone. Yeah. Uh, the size of the ship was not helpful. They measured it and everything. Mm. The name of the ship was not helpful. Its name has been changed. The figurehead's gone, so F that. Uh, well, Carson is off to New York for more research. Mm-hmm. So the captain, out of the hospital, is ready to leave. And they set sail in a dense fog. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the Bonnie Scott's on fire. Yeah. Right? Like, like, right out, right out of the seaport. Yeah, you can't even tell there's smoke because there's so much fog. That's no, that's no fog. <laughs> yeah, the Bonnie Scott's on fire. Uh, they summon the fireboats, which is apparently a thing. But as they're putting it out, they see someone running off. Yeah, they specify that George and the boys get fire extinguishers. Mm-hmm. And Nancy chases after this stowaway. Dave in particular is in charge of keeping the fire away from the oil drums. Yeah, I was like... (laughs) (laughs) Does not sound like the job I want. Dave, keep the fire away from the oil drums. 
Bert, keep the fire back from that huge pile of the fireworks. Also at this point, I love it because you're like, okay, they very specifically said George and the boys. Bess is nowhere to be seen. Okay, Bess is too girly. She's scared and she's hiding somewhere. Bess, go organize your frilly dresses. But not so. She's missing, as we find out later. (laughs) Needless to say, the suspect Nancy was chasing dives off the ship and escapes. When he jumps overboard, she rejoins the others, gets herself a fire extinguisher, joins right in. The firemen show up and they help. There's no serious damage to the ship. The firemen praise them. The captain says they're a good crew. And as the firemen were leaving, one of them looked at Nancy and her friends with a twinkle in his eye. Pretty young crew here. I'm sure they'll make good seamen, he says to the captain. Get that twinkle out of your eye. Now we find out. What are you, Father Christmas? Get the hell out of here. (laughs) Bess is truly missing. Yes, Bess is not organizing her frilly dresses. She's gone. They find her coat on a bench and they're looking everywhere. Nancy, on a hunch, checks a closet. Why not? She finds her fainted. She was locked in, but now the door is unlocked. Yeah, uh, Bess gets thrown into a closet. The closet locks. Being in a closet causes her to faint. When she comes to, the closet's unlocked. The knowledge that she could have slept through a fire and died makes her almost faint again. It's not a good day for Bess. Yeah, but George is having none of it. Chin up, says George. It didn't happen. (laughs) Good good news, Bess. You're not burned alive. (laughs) But bad news, somebody stole Bess's chocolate cake. Dave was going to love that cake. And a bunch of other food. Yeah. Uh, Captain Easterly and Nancy realize that this likely means there's more than one stowaway. As through what I can only describe as paragraphs of reasoning, Mm. they decide that he didn't jump overboard with the cake. Yeah. It takes a while to establish this. (laughs) We finally come to the conclusion there's a second stowaway. While they look everywhere, the captain's like, well, I guess there's no stowaway. And Nancy, of course, is not satisfied with this explanation. The captain consoles her by saying, well, he probably went into the fireman boat, which Nancy berates herself. Why didn't I think of that? That's a long way to swim, right? Mm -hmm. Like that was a risky move to just jump off the Mm -hmm. boat. Well, while Ned was off watch, Nancy asked him to do a little further exploring with her. All right. (laughs) (laughs) They search the fire area and they see cuts in the wall and a hatchet that's been dropped. I guess he's just trying to cut through the wall because they bolted the porthole. Is later the the porthole's open again? I thought I, he was, I thought it was just because he was searching for whatever oh, that could MacGuffin. Be. We and never find I, out. I find that so funny because I get sneaking on board mm. and like searching the place for this magic MacGuffin. But someone at some point was like, What if I just start hacking at walls? Yeah. Certainly if I tear this ancient clipper apart, it'll be fine. Nancy can't find any secret door, however. It was maddening and ridiculous, according to Ned, that they'd not caught the stowaway yet. We're halfway into this book. What's going on? He had escaped as easily as a ghost. There it is. And Ned also refers disparagingly to the stowaways and their hatchet parties. Yep. I don't want to get an invite to a hatchet party. Oh, man. Haven't you heard about the kids these days? They're all having hatchet parties. Is it, like, based off of, like, Jack Frost's book? Oh, you literally just mean the book Hatchet? Uh-huh. That was not... There was never a party. It was just him by himself. <laughs> yeah, but don't, don't you dare bring my childhood into this. Kids, We're doing a kids podcast. Kids these days are getting 
into such a party. Kids these days are really into getting into planes, <laughs> being stranded in the wild with one hatchet, and surviving. Yeah. We're doing a podcast about your childhood, okay? Not mine. <laughs> I read hatchet too. Whatever. Uh, finally, in the captain's room, they find a clue. It's a snuff box. A pretty snuff box. Not one of those ugly snuff boxes you see. Uh, With a cameo on it of a lovely woman. Uh, Nancy decides that this woman must be the missing figurehead. (laughs) For no reason. For no reason. Aren't you jumping to conclusions, Ned asks? George later sniffs the snuff box and is like, a snuff box if you say so. There's never been any snuff in here. She's very disappointed. Yeah, she really wanted some old snuff. (laughs) Uh, So Nancy decides that the stowaway must have dropped it. Which, to be fair, that makes sense because the captain's like, I've literally never seen that before. Yeah. The figurehead thing is a stretch. Yeah, that's just because she's really obsessed with figureheads. (laughs) Ned, in a reaching attempt to say anything nice to his girlfriend, says, you really keep trying that's what i like about you nancy <laughs> it's the same compliment he gave her last book like the <laughs> same exact compliment ned's like i really admire people with tenacity who don't give up do you admire that nancy do you like people who don't give up will you marry me <laughs> you're such a good sleuth i might as well say yes to your scheme says the captain and the scheme that nancy has yeah, the, to guard the drinking water. Because he has food, so he's gonna need water. It was a salty cake, after all. Yeah. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> I think he stole a ham. Yeah. He got the rum ham. Yeah, one has to wonder, like, why the captain was so worried about that as a plan. Yeah. Eh, whatever. It even says that the captain said that tolerantly. Yeah. He's like, okay, Nancy. <laughs> water, water everywhere is how the poem goes, so he should have plenty. <laughs> the back of the box. The snuff box says PR 1850, but they can't find any ship with the initials PR in the book of about ships. ships. Lest you forget, this ship's name may have been changed. So that's part of why we need to find the old name so we can get the old title. So they immediately assume PR is the initials of the ship for no reason. They look amongst all the romantic names and find nothing. And I love that the romantic names include things like lightning. Oh, how romantic. In the middle of the night, Nancy is awoken by bad weather. There's going to be a blow, says the captain. So he sets Ned and Nancy to the task of steering the boat together. Uh, Nancy might not have been very good at it. She looked around in fascinated horror. That's really evocative because I imagine if you are the f- having like your first experience with a heavy storm on a ship like this, mm-hmm. seeing the waves crashing over the sides, mm. it would be both fascinating and horrifying. Yeah. Luckily, when the storm gets really bad he sends the girls down below mm-hmm. so she joins george and bess uh the the boat lists such that she fell into the bunk with bess so a little quick snuggle george says of the stowaway that it would serve him right if he got all banged up as the uh, ship is tossing poor flip is in some tiny little corner <laughs> of the ship just getting totally jostled <laughs> A quick reenactment from Hope and I of this storm. Whoa! Whoa! 
By morning, the storm has passed, and Bess is frying an enormous quantity of bacon and eggs. The, uh, the captain calls his crew real mariners, and Dave suggests that they all sail again when the captain owns the ship. Aww. Yeah, it's a classic, we'll come back in five years and see where we've all gone. Bert says, me too. Ned says, also me. The captain, uh, coyly, I guess, says, should we invite the girls along as well? To which Ned responds, why not? Every clipper needs cooks. Wow. You can't see me grimacing, but wow. I'm grimacing. It's so weird. It, it They've been a part, like, mm. George is naming masks like a mother. Like, mm. and uh, yeah, and he says that, and the book says that all the girls grimaced. Yeah. Like, Ned immediately becomes, like, goes from a seven to a four on the attractiveness scale. Yeah. And the best part is, instead of anyone responding to this, Ned just immediately changes the subject. Yeah, I hate to change the subject, but I must be going now. Yeah, it's like, like, essentially, that's it, right? Not even just, like, changing the subject, changing the subject to him leaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll see my way out. The captain says it's okay if they leave because the ship is safe as a clam in a shell. Historically not a safe place to be if you're a clam. <laughs> Nancy rows the boys to shore while the girls and the captain catch up on their sleep. She visits Walter Frisbee, who carves figureheads. When she sees him, he had a chisel in his hand and he looked as if he would like to use it on Nancy for disturbing him. Nancy warms his frosty face right up and he sends her to his cozy barn loft library. And she just researches all day. He has to remind her to eat. He says, don't you eat, girl? She runs to town, gets a sandwich and some milk, runs back and does more research. Days of her life during this mystery is just researching at this guy's yeah. this guy's cozy barn loft library which sounds the most like an airbnb listing and develops like a weird friendship with him mm -hmm. but he says finally we're closing up for the night you can come back tomorrow as uh, nancy continues to spend days here researching old mr frisbee says you stick to it like a bulldog don't you <laughs> you'd make a good detective mm -hmm. which is weird to say to anyone yeah like, there's a bunch of people who need to stick to it. That's a weird choice. Mm -hmm. But maybe he sensed it in her as Nancy smiled about that. As Nancy walks home on one of these days from Mr. Frisbee's, who should appear behind her but Grizzleface? Uh-oh. He snatches Nancy's purse and, and takes his snuff box back. <laughs> you can't have that, says Nancy. It's mine. It isn't. No. <laughs> no more than Togo is, Nancy. <laughs> To which Red Quint replies, it's mine, and starts to run off. Now, I love this. Nancy yells at this man <laughs> who, just, who just dumped out her purse to take his snuff box back. Please, I only want to question you. <laughs> that doesn't work. But what does work is, the police will get you. <laughs> but only momentarily. Grizzleface turns around and says, I ain't no thief. <laughs> and the questions begin. She doesn't learn much. No. And when she tries to chase him again, she trips on a hummock. What I love about vocab words in Nancy Drew novels is they will often explain the word in the same sentence by describing the, the thing. Right, like said Ned, the tall, handsome, athletic boy. Yeah, yeah. 
She tripped over the hummock, a mound of sand with little bits of grass poking out of it. So there you go. As he runs away over the dunes, she trips. I love how he gets away, which is that she says he probably is laying down behind one of these dunes. Waiting for me to leave. That's her being dumb and not believing he can run somewhere. I just, it's such a weird decision because she's like, I can't look behind every hummock. I can't look behind every dune. I'll let him lie there. Well, also, I have nothing on him. He's right. I did steal that snuff box. Yeah, I probably, there's no reason to chase him. <laughs> she tells the police that Quint was an unsavory character. As she leaves the police, having told them, please arrest this guy. She hopes to herself that he won't shave his grizzled beard. His grizzly beard. Here's where it's grizzly. Grizzled, grizzly. It's grizz. Mm. Bess and George scold her for being late. We thought you'd been drowned, kidnapped, or cut in small pieces. And I think the only one that's likely is kidnapped. Yeah. Because we know she's a good swimmer. A very common one. And chopped into pieces? That's not Flip's MO. No, no. Flip's just gonna put him out to sea. So now captain talks about pirates maybe pirates had stolen this ship and changed it to bonnie scott a devilish clever lot are those pirates says the captain the next morning Bess and george go to walter frisbee's library with nancy to research all morning i see you brought reinforcements <laughs> says says miss old frisbee uh they have lunch at the tea room you know the local tea room in boston delightful nancy suggests that Bess and george go swim while she goes back to researching because mm-hmm. they were not helpful and got in her way probably <laughs> Bess just kept smacking her gum uh and carson returns from new york city complimenting the industrious and peaceful crew of this fine clipper Bess tells him he missed a simply horrible storm mr carson mr carson you missed a horrible storm but george and nancy assure him it was exciting They say that at the same exact moment and laugh. Carson doesn't find it so funny. He says, you're lucky to be alive. But Carson's really just covering for the fact that he sucks. He says, it hurts my pride to render a negative report, Captain. Especially now that I must give up the case. Quitter. But he reassures Nancy that she can stay behind. (laughs) If you use the ingenuity and the perseverance I credit you with, Nancy, I believe you'll solve the case. Well, Captain, I'm afraid I can't help you, but you can have my daughter. And they say something like, well, if the captain will let us stay. So the captain says, don't you girls dare leave me alone with this mystery. Nancy returns the next morning to Walter Frisbee. Mm-hmm. Bess and George say, no, thank you, to a visit. To they a- didn't They didn't enjoy Frisbee. No. He's carving and he gives her a quick wood carving lesson. So my dream for this book came true. Yeah, we did learn about wood carving. Mm-hmm. Apparently you take much more wood than you need mm-hmm. and you carve it down to much less figurehead than you should think you need yeah she specifically is like we waste all that wood now nancy finally has a turn of thought and perspective that puts her on the right track perhaps pr was not the name of the ship but the name of the captain of the ship or the master of the ship see that's just where i would go right away maybe it's his initials (laughs) and not the ship's initials Mm -hmm. she begins to research ships whose fate are unknown specifically with masters whose name are pr it may float forever in the harbor of boston it's the ship who's the never returned <laughs> it is in boston that's good 
<laughs> that narrows it down to one ship. The dream of Melissa. As she goes down to tell Frisbee that she found it, she finds a note saying that she can just lock up because it is well past closing time mm-hmm. and he went home already. Yep. And she never returns. Yeah, it was. it's really nice. She's like, wow, Mr. Frisbee trusted me enough to lock up. We've really forged... A fine friendship, and he's never seen again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're unneeded. When she tells Bess and George that this is a ship that was likely stolen by pirates and renamed, <laughs> Bess is uh, taken aback. My goodness, to think I may have been sleeping in some pirate's bunk. <laughs> so good someone's just been skulking around this whole time like there's so much creepy stuff Mm -hmm. but yeah you were in a pirate's bed well late that night someone again is heard on board again it pretty a whole new harbor pretty constant yeah nancy wakes up in the middle of the night goes and knocks on captain easterly's door but does not wait for him to come up before she runs up to the deck she just knocks and goes yeah yeah so she gets scolded by the captain and he's like go right to bed lady and she's like no we must find clues and he's like oh yeah that's what we're doing so she finds a matchbook from the owl restaurant the owl restaurant that's in river heights also in pencil is written the name marvin (gasps) marvin this is obviously been stolen along with all the jewelry from the marvin household don't think about it that's dad wrote his own last name on his matches yep that's what you do you use a pencil (laughs) and then they stole it Yep. So obviously this is the crow who has been on board. It's the crow. Their caller was a desperate character. What is on this ship that robbers and kidnappers go creeping through her like a lot of devilish ghosts, says the captain. He does think they're ghosts. At breakfast, the captain tries to get the girls to leave. This is no safe place for you. And Bess, in one of her loyal badass moments, says, We're not going, Captain. We can't leave you here all alone with these vicious characters sneaking about. That goes for me too, George chimed in stoutly. Nancy tells me he can't throw them overboard, so he better help them with their research (laughs) to find out the ship's original name. They decide that perhaps on the furniture the name of the ship would appear, but most of the furniture has been tossed away. But George has a realization. And while pretending to go and cook them pancakes, (laughs) George finds on an old bench... Like nailed to the ground. mm Mm-hmm. D.R. of Mel. Or Doctor of Mel, but more likely, Dream Dream of of Mel. Melissa. (laughs) Melissa. That woman looked like somebody sweet and dreamy who might be named Melissa, Bess says, of the snuffbox lady. (laughs) So they look all over the ship for more evidence. They find nothing for a long time, and Bess is tired. She says, go on without me. You can tell me about it. As they go to the forecastle, where Nancy thinks, you know, the sailors were bored a lot at night in their bunks. Exactly. They probably carved on the wall, and she's right. Things like, you know, death to authority and Jack Sparrow was here. Mm -hmm. They find initials, hearts, anchors, a woman's face. And the words, Dream of Melissa, carved in the forecastle's timber. Captain Easterly is worried because it turns out that the Eastern Shore Shipping Company owned the Dream of Melissa. He might get kicked out. Nancy says, don't worry, Dad will fix things up. He'll buy you a new clipper ship. Yeah. A boy shows up and says, Nancy, you have a telegram and package. Oh, my dad must have gotten me a present. Brings it up on a fishing, you know 
hook. When will criminals ever learn? It's an unmarked package, but when Nancy turns it over, there are a black skull and crossbones, such that warns her to carefully open this package. Why did Carson put that on the package? Peeks in, and there is a green lizard. It's poisonous or deadly or... The Captain Easterly flips his shit at this point. He smacks it out of her hands into the ocean. Don't touch that thing. It turns out that the reason that the Captain drowned this lizard... Poor lizard. ...was because it's... Let me check this. Luck. Bad luck. Bad luck. You'll the lizard was superstitious, girls. The lizard was bad. Luck. Yeah. <laughs> Nancy calls the whole thing very dreadful. And Beth says they better leave right away. Don't be silly, George responds. Why, that poor lizard was as harmless as a mouse. The telegram, on the other hand, was from Carson. It was unrelated to the lizard in the box. And, in fact, it was so unrelated to the very story, we didn't really hear what it was about. <laughs> So, George heads off to find the delivery boy so she can smack some questions out, out of him. <laughs> Interrogate him. Yeah. A little advanced interrogation. Meanwhile, Nancy goes to Provincetown on a hunch. Perhaps if she wandered along the water's edge, she would meet someone who looked as though he might know a few answers. Yeah. She's hoping to find Alec Trebek just standing by the water. And she kind of does. She finds Mr. Singleton, who is a painter. Mr. Singleton gives her a hot tip to go talk to Mrs. Smythe. She might have something to do with the dream of Melissa. Mrs. Smythe is 80 years old. And she says, yes, my mother, Matilda Witherspoon, when she was 16, she fell in love with the captain of the dream of Melissa. The captain is much older than 16-year-old Matilda. Yes. Her family doesn't like that. Doesn't like him. So, in secret, they plan to marry, but the captain never returns from his voyage. Mrs. Smythe reassures Nancy that the man her mom ended up marrying... was a fine man. Because that's like her dad. Man, who is her real father. Yeah. She is not the captain's daughter. She reveals that the captain had promised her mother a very nice present when he returned. And she also reveals that she owes taxes and doesn't have much money. So, it would be great to find that present. When they reconvene, George was successful. She got the boy to talk, tracks the man's, like, prescription at the drugstore, and finds out his last name was Lane. Bess and George now decide there must be something in the chart room. Nancy says, no, I think it's in the captain's cabin. She locks herself in the captain's cabin to do some search. And she proceeds with a sense of security. Looking through the captain's quarters for, like, ten minutes, she finds what these people have been looking for for weeks. Yeah, yeah. The knot in the wall, if you tug on it, it opens up a whole panel with Woo. just a big piratey box of coins. Pretty nice. She dumps the gold coins onto the bed mm-hmm. with no thought of the fact that those sheets are filthy now. <laughs> yeah. It just seems like such an odd move. At that moment, someone appears behind her. It's Flip. Uh-oh. The crow! She hears a click behind her. And there he is, smirking, evidently pleased at the young detective's dilemma. Let out one peep and it will be your last! <laughs> That's how he talks. He's very no, arch. Apparently. He says, shaking his fist, I have a thing or two to say to you, Nancy Drew. Nancy does not like his impudent, drawling voice. Oh shit, that was wrong then. <laughs> she is more angry now than frightened. And she is determined to outwit him. She tosses her head in defiance. (laughs) 
<laughs> Flip with a crafty smile says, don't act too smart, Nancy Drew, because I got a little deal to make with you. And this is a first. We have never, never seen, seen negotiation. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't get a lot of information out of Flip, and Flip kind of mocks her because she still doesn't understand where the secret door is. Also, the negotiation is mostly, tell anyone I was here and I'll kill you. But don't and I won't. Yeah, that's Mostly it. Mostly a threat. Mm-hmm. He says, you and your blundering captain are going to be left with your mouths hanging open. You girls are no match for Flip Fay. So he tells Nancy to tell the police that she was mistaken. I'll, I'll do as I please, says Nancy. Turns out that Flip Fay doesn't even care about the gold coins. Oh, he wants them, but he's after a ruby. Nancy does a classic, look over there. The treasure. (laughs) It works. And she escapes out the door. So they look around to try to figure out what secret entrance or exit he came from. And the captain is positively hornswoggled when they find a trap door. The chest is like nailed to the ground and the ground it is nailed to, this trunk, Mm -hmm. is a trap door. You just lift the whole thing. Oh, that's kind of clever. You wouldn't expect. Mm -hmm. But I guess anyone who tries to move the trunk would find that, right? Like, Well, but a lot of things are nailed down to the ground in the whole ship. But still an attempt at redecorating. He still has the figurines from the original captain, like, around his room. That's right. He likes the the Mm -hmm. old stuff. When you're renting, you don't always have the option. I will redecorate and just pay the deposit. I don't care. You're not going to give it back to me anyway. I'm painting. (laughs) I'm going to paint something weird on my wall that you have to take care of later. (laughs) That's not his way. (laughs) Bess's necklace is also missing. The ruby, the fake ruby, it's gone. Well, what of it, says George. (laughs) Yeah, George fails to see why Bess is bothering them with this information. I didn't want it, you shouldn't want it. But Nancy assures her, it may all tie in. Nancy thinks perhaps Flip stole it for a purpose. Doing things for a reason? (laughs) Dastardly. Well, Flip does get away. He had outwitted them. They figure out that he stole a life preserver and probably dragged his box of gold to shore on a life preserver. That's the kind of thing I would try to do, but like halfway back to shore, the one thing that could go wrong would, and I would just dump the entire box into the sea. Presumably he ties it on really well. Presumably. That's why they call him the crow. (laughs) He knows how to get things into his nest. Nancy was discouraged. The captain thinks that the secret passageway was for the captain to spy on the crew to make sure there's not a mutiny or something. George says, I'll bet he'd be surprised at some of the things he heard about himself, which I love because that is funny and that is true. Like your boss going behind the walls to listen to you at night, creepy as fuck. Right. But also, yes, absolutely. It's like, I just read about this teacher who got added to like a whatsapp chat and like caught a bunch of his students cheating right but like and that's what it is is like this boss is like somehow spying on them but all i could think about is do you remember one of the first few books yes that's exactly what i was thinking of (laughs) the secret room room to listen to literally the slaves yeah to make sure that literally the slaves weren't planning anything i remember they made the same joke and we were like what the fuck i don't know it's such a wholesome take on the fact that he could have someone killed if he didn't like what was saying boy i bet he was surprised to hear some people thought his fart smelled (laughs) and it's like meanwhile he's like execute john for he said that he wanted to unionize. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, because the pirate ships were actually pretty democratic. Uh, Is that so? Yeah. Nice. But 
I believe that the implication is that this goes back to before the pirates. So the, the regular captain. Oh, that's interesting. As well. And then in that case, it's a little, I don't know. So these things, there's different increments of like, you know. The entire past is a hellscape <laughs> of horrible things. <laughs> as is the present. But George also says that Flip is pretty silly for taking the fake ruby. Yeah, Flip, what are you thinking? Nancy, again, thinks there might be a reason. The detective they hired to like guard their ship at night shows up and it scares them all. In the chart room, Bess and George have discovered an ancient map, which may have shown the final course of this ship before being taken by pirates and nancy figures out a puzzle in the captain's desk that opens up to show a letter from captain perry saying that the ruby is hidden in his wooden lady and should be left to his is the gift for his love back home and he says you know if I, if pirates take this ship please take the ruby to my love at home if not her then her daughter who's in financial trouble someday i love how dramatic the opening of the desk is because first the captain's like no way nancy there's no secret yeah he says i know that desk better than i know my own mind and yeah. immediately nancy's like well did you notice this extra space here and he's like no <laughs> i don't know my mind george is all for just not wasting the time figuring out the puzzle just hacking into that desk the only thing that saves that desk from george and the hatchet she found is the fact that the ship now belongs to the eastern yeah. trading company mm-hmm. and nancy's like oh do, 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 you know what the reason we can't destroy history is actually because it doesn't belong to us you have no right to. And it's just a sliding door puzzle. Like, it was not a Rubik's Cube. Nancy just wanted to solve it. Who did, Who wouldn't? Now that the letter has told them that the ruby is in the wooden lady, they think it means the figurines. In his room. In his room. That's a dumb mislead. The figurehead has before in this book been called the wooden lady. Right. It's so clear immediately and like it's a wit to them it's some weird mislead. Yeah. Bess and George and the captain immediately are like oh we need to search these figurines that are all around the captain's room that belong to the original captain. George again is all for breaking these figurines to smithereens and finding the ruby. (laughs) But Bess as she's examining a figurine of Venus hot... (laughs) she notices that nancy isn't helping them and says hey what are you doing nancy just then they get interrupted though they have a visitor he says his name is josiah ogden and we should mention the letter they found was to a josiah ogden of the eastern trading company he's kind of like you're smart your dad's smart everyone's awesome and nancy did not like his breezy manner and well she shouldn't because he asks them to leave immediately yeah he's like the eastern trading company owns this ship and you are squatters get the hell out obviously everyone is sad but best takes the time to console nancy patting her on the arm and saying don't feel bad that you couldn't solve the mystery you made a fine try which is what a good friend should do Bess is about to get her lights punched out. Nancy was sure the case wasn't over and hadn't given up. <laughs> and it's around this time she reveals to them, you guys are dumb. It's not in a figurine, it's in a figurehead. It's the figurehead. Nancy knew all along, just like we did. She recalls that Grizzleface wore an art exhibit button. <gasps> but George points out hypers. He's no artist, Nancy, which is a weird assumption. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like He's not an artist, he's a creep. Yeah. And it's like, um, Picasso existed. You can be both. 
I don't mean he's an artist, says Nancy, but he could be an artist's model because of his grizzled beard and hot bod. Bus is immediately on board with this theory. With that beard, he'd make a wonderful model. I'd like to paint him myself. (laughs) Apparently grizzled beard is hotter than we thought. So they go to find Mr. Singleton, who knows of his grizzly beard and has painted that beard in a very derivative portrait. Old man in the sea. Very tacky. It feels good to be driving, Nancy says, as they head to Provincetown, where he may be modeling. And he is. So they do find him modeling there. And they accuse him, j'accuse, of everything that's happened so far. He says, I'm no criminal. And they say, what about the kidnapping? And he's like, the the effing what now? <laughs> the book says that Quince, under astonishment, seemed to prove his innocence. He did not know about the kidnapping. He did not know about the attempts on people's lives. Mm-hmm. He did not know about the break-ins. It turns out that Quint's thing is that he knew there could be treasure on the ship, so he'd been sneaking on. He's the original ghost. And then Flip showed up, got him talking, and like ramped up the creepery so sometimes it's been Grizzleface, but they're not really working together it's like if it wasn't bad it was Grizzleface, and if it was bad it was flip they were almost like competitors really apparently to get grizzle off the case flip gave him the fake ruby from bass and for this red quint calls him a double crosser and gives the ruby back to bass he's like put this on your plump neck i don't want it he tells them all about how he found out this was a pirate ship Mm -hmm. by having met one of the ex-pirates in java Mm -hmm. bass comments it didn't pay him to be a pirate he just ended up stranded on an island forever and our red quint says yeah, he was poor as a sand crab, which is pretty poor. Apparently, this lonely guy on Java sold Red Quint the snuff box. So it was his. Yeah. Nancy says, look, I'm going to get the police involved, or you could tell me where the figurehead is at. She's like, you want to be on my side when the police get involved. Mm-hmm. I've got pull. He says, I can't write it down. I don't exactly remember, but I can bring you there. Nancy suspects he just wants to find out what's in this figurehead. So they all pile into the taxi. Or no, they all pile into the car. And uh, they get pulled over by the cops. (laughs) And the cops take Grizzlehead away. And Nancy felt sheepish. She suddenly remembered having told the police to arest Quint. I love that moment where the cop's like, he, that man needs to be under arrest. We were told so by a girl named Nancy Drew. And she's like, I'm Nancy Drew. And he's like, then what? Because what? <laughs> you're all coming so with you're me. So you're what? Get out of the car! Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then Nancy's so afraid that Red Quint won't tell her where the figurehead is because she turned him into the police. Which is fair. Yeah. But I guess after she tells the police, look, he might be safer in jail because these other guys, the real bad guys, are going to hurt him. And he did hardly anything. Then Quint decides she can be trusted. And he says to her, you've been square with me, which okay. And tells her where the figurehead can be found. All you have to do to stay on Quint's good side is not give him fake jewelry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Pess, George, and Nancy travel to see Mrs. Parker, who received Melissa, the figurehead, as rent one time. Nice. And just never got around to selling her. Yeah. I've got all sorts of stuff set up for eBay like that. She also offers them sandwich glass. Which we looked up in his class. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Made in the town of Sandwich. They buy only Melissa from her. No sandwich glass for us. This is where we first see the horrifying picture of Melissa. George says, let's cut her right open and look for the ruby. Break it. Break 
I good. want to break something open. I don't think you understand. Well, uh, Nancy holds her off, and soon after, they get a message from the captain, who says he's headed back to the ship. They should come too. Everyone's moving back onto the ship. That's good news. Hurrah! <laughs> Apparently, the front desk lady didn't want to give them this message, because she was losing them as mm. boarders. So they pay her anyway. So they pay her for the day anyway, but like, oof, hard up in this town. Yeah. Well, they get there, and the captain isn't there yet, but Ogden, the guy from the Eastern Trading Company, is like, listen, I was too... I was too much mean. Yeah, too much mean. It ate at my conscience. So you guys can, you can have the ship and the captain will be here soon, I'm sure. So they're like, yay, we're here. And we've got, and they brought the figurehead with them. They're like, yay, we're here. The figurehead's here. Let's get that ruby, you know, case closed. So they find the the figurehead's like shoulders made out of a different wood or something. So they cut that part open. They find the ruby. And just like the gold coins, (laughs) that triggers Flip to be behind them. He's got a sensor. Thanks for all y'all footwork. That's even less Southern. You fell right into our trap, didn't you? <laughs> the smart Nancy Drew. So he, the, it's a trap. But what's more, Ogden isn't Ogden. He's Fred Lane. <gasps> oh no. And the Eastern Trading Company doesn't exist. It does. There, it there's, does. There's yeah. no representative here, though. In a real Peter Pan, Captain Hook maneuver. Ooh, Flip good reference. and Lane tie the girls to the masts of the ship. Mm-hmm. But they don't even give them the opportunity to be pirates. No. They just set them out to sea on the on the clipper. They say, where's Captain Easterly? And enigmatically, mm. Flip says, you may have a chance to say goodbye to him yet. That was see, that was the accent I did originally. That was really good. There's a lot of words, but Bess cuts right to the chase. They've set us adrift. We'll be lost at sea. If the captain wakes up, as long as he's not dead, he will come up and see the girls. He'll untie them. And then they can at least do enough to sail it closer to shore. Yeah. Like, they can't sail it well with only four people, but it's it's enough that they can get found. Yeah, but the sea's a big place, Carl. I guess. They could get lost. They could get lost out there. I do get the feeling that Flip cared more about stalling them. Right. Than actually killing Which, them. And that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Luckily, the chisel that they use to get the ruby out of the figurehead keeps rolling closer to them as the waves push it. Mm-hmm. And all the girls work together to move their ropes down to the ground so they can get at it with their hand yeah yeah and they chisel away at their ropes and escape nancy finds the captain who was knocked out nancy and bess swim ashore while george stays with the captain we find out that police caught faye and lane and retrieved the ruby i love that off screen it's Mm, done he took too much time gloating is what it is nancy gets the great honor and joy of calling mrs Smythe and saying, here, you're going to get your ruby back. Mrs. Smythe is grateful that she'll be able to pay her taxes and offers Nancy a drawing of the dream of Melissa on its first day. What a bummer to like get this amazing piece of family heirloom and be like, oh good, I can pay my taxes. Yeah, yeah. Yay. Well, Red Quint gifts Nancy Drew her gift of the book, the snuffle box. But she gets two gifts of the book because she already got that drawing. Yeah, she's paid twice on this book. Yeah. A drawing and a box. Mm -hmm. So in a way, the first time she actually did have two distinct mysteries, especially since Red Quint was not involved. Was not working with Faye. Well, Red uh, is likely to be on probation, but when he's done with his probation, 
He will be serving right here on the Dream of Melissa. He'll be the cook and handyman. Oh, good. I didn't catch that. That's that's good for him. Yeah. Yeah. He gets a job. The uh, Easterly Trading Company does agree to a gentleman's agreement with Farnsworth to sell the boat to Captain Easterly and... They split the money with Farnsworth? I don't know what they do. I don't know how these things work. That's what it is. The Marvin's jewelry is returned. Do they ever find the the gold again? I don't know if they do. If they don't, that really solidifies my idea that he dropped it into the sea. Phew, says Bess. I hope I never have such a day as yesterday in my life again. Don't count on it, says George. As long as you're a friend of Nancy Drew, you'll run into exciting mysteries. Such as the next mystery, the clue of the Black Keys. Ooh, a musical mystery. (laughs) Maybe. Two weeks later, Captain Easterly gives a big party. The whole clipper has been has been done up. It's It's painted gray now. Painted and beautiful gray Mm -hmm. to match the figurehead, I guess. I guess so. Yeah. Yuck. (laughs) Uh, The old pirate ship is gone forever, says George. Easterly has sealed up all the passageways. So that now it's a good it's a good ship. Yep. And who better to christen it than Nancy, Nancy Drew. Drew? This week only, half off on your breakfast platter at El Restaurant. That's right. Tell them River Heights Radio sent you. Like the sea to the ship, I'll end it with a wave. <laughs> I'm Carl. And I'm Hope. Go, Go Wildcats! to have a special episode about this video game sometime i have a we have a there's a host of video games we can um oh i don't know put them on our patreon remember to support us at our patreon (laughs) you can email us at riverheightsradio at google.com or find our patreon river heights radio we'd really appreciate it instagram at river heights radio twitter at river heights fm River Heights Radio on Facebook and River Heights Radio on YouTube. Uh, and give us a review or five stars on uh, Apple Podcast or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you're listening. Yeah, if you listen this far, I mean, why not? We actually put a, a lot of hours into these episodes, but we're having a lot of fun. That's oh, a blast. So it's all thank for you, you guys. for listening. <laughs> An extra special big thanks to Robert Busby for composing and recording this podcast's musical intro, and to the wonderful Hope Busby for editing this entire thing. You guys make it happen.